are together, together again. again. Just, Just praising the Lord. We are together again. In one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in God. We are together again. Just praising the that happens that is beyond the natural eye. You brought a spirit with you this morning and the heavenly has accompanied that. And the heavenly gathers around that. Now, we, we were just on the way to church this morning and we were remarking how the roads were so empty. And we're saying, well, there's probably a lot of people that are hung over this morning because they got into a spirit last night. And I say this, they had to get in that spirit. They had to be able to enter an atmosphere to do everything they were wanting to do. And I'll say it's the same for us this morning. We've come together to enter in. It's good to be together, Brother Len. Good to see you. Trust you had a good time with your family in Seattle. Good to see the others, the, the Callahans that are here. Good to have my brother here from BC and my mom. Uh, we're, we're happy just for everyone that could come here this morning. Let's turn to the Word this morning. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And then after that, we will turn to Revelations 11 and 12. We'll probably just read Matthew 4 and we'll let you have your seats and then we'll go from there. Matthew 4 verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward ahungered. And when, and when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones be made bread. And he, but he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He will give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Notice the devil comes to tempt him, first of all, in a flesh realm. He was hungry. Then he comes to tempt him, just concerning in the spirit realm, and he actually quotes the word of God to Jesus. But then Jesus also uses the word back. And the word he uses was a little word that Moses had written in the book of Deuteronomy, inspired by God. 
Last temptation, verse 8. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said, All these will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then said Jesus unto him, notice he never said, they're not yours. That was the prince of the power of the air. But he also knew that he would fall heir to him, not through the devil's channel, but after there would be a Calvary and the price would be paid. So he says in verse 10, then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Let's just bow our heads this morning. Heavenly Father, we've gathered in this morning. We sang songs. We just rejoiced being together. We thank you for the day you've given. We thank you for a new year that you've given. Lord, we believe we're in a cycle where it's not going to be always a new year. Lord, we're not always going to be bound by time. But Lord, we're entered also, we believe, into a greater cycle. That is the eternal cycle. And we're asking, Father, may we be caught up in that, Lord, as we've gathered together. Lord, we know there'll be new things this new year. There'll be old things. But Lord, we know one thing. The Word of God is steadfast and sure, and we want to be found, Lord, in it. As a world is crumbling around us, we want to be on that solid rock, the rock of revelation. Lord, this morning... There's thoughts, many directions we could go, but we're asking now your spirit, your anointing. Lord, I'm just a man. I, I can only give my vessel to you, but I'm asking you'll anoint it, that it will be beneficial to your people. We pray also you'll anoint us as hearers. Lord, prepare us for the things that are ahead, the things that are around us and where we're going. Bless us together as we now... Look into your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may have your seats. So the devil took Jesus into a high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. I imagine as he would show him, he was able to look into the eons of time. He could have looked back into Babylon that was and the glory of it. He could have maybe projected into present-day Rome and what was there. But he could have also looked down in history to what would happen and the kingdoms that would rise in, in, in Europe, in England, in Germany. Maybe he looked down, right down into Laodicea and he saw the great kingdoms that would be in this time. He saw the fine places of New York and, and L.A. and different places and he would look into those things and he'd say, all of these I'll give you. And there was a glory associated with them if you fall down and worship me. Now, there's a kingdoms, and I, 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 I actually had a thought that I really wanted to speak, and up until last night and this morning, I, I probably was going that way, and yet the more I looked at it too, I just felt pressed that I need to bring this before I go there. So this morning, I want to speak on two kingdoms and two worlds. So I, I'll do that just as a continuation of where we were. 
And the question would be, which one are you in? And I, I want to just say we're, we're, these two kingdoms are coming to a clash right now. Let's go to Revelations chapter 11. Revelations chapter 11. And we will read. We're familiar in the Bible. It would talk about the three woes. Those, the first woe and the second woe are clearly identified as the tribulations of the world, the groaning of the world. There was a World War I. There was a World War II. These are the woes that were identified. But now the Bible would just say that there's an escalation. And I, I, I want to say something, if I can, and I, may God give me liberty. I, I, I really am in between, and I want to be able to express my heart as it's been on my heart this week. So if, if I'm not following just, but I, if I bring things, and I don't mean to be scattered, but I want to share some things on my heart. There's a line that is being crossed, and whether we realize it or not sometimes. And there are divisions, and there are boundaries, and, 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 and sometimes it's very innocuous how we cross that. Now, two days ago it was Friday, and today it's Sunday, and, and it doesn't seem like much has changed, but we've crossed another year. And we could actually say and go back in time and say, back in 1956, America, the nation that was born out of religious freedom, as a nation, they had come to a crossing point, and it was the Spirit of God that brooded over the nation and would send out messengers over the nation. And it was a Billy Graham, it was an Oral Roberts, it was a Brother Branham, and there was a compelling by the Spirit of God to go over America. And, 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 and they went over America, and after that, Brother Branham would say, She'll, she as a nation will never come back. Now that was a line that was crossed. And then it was, yet America went on, it went on, it went on. You can take this in the Bible. When the kingdom of Saul, Saul was there, he was the people's choice, and Saul was, was just give me a little bit of volume if you can, brothers. The, Saul was, was, was there, and yet he acted in a way that was not conducive to what God had in his mind as a king. And he took it upon himself that within himself he was going to rule them. And then within himself he was going to give offering. And Samuel had clearly told him and he gave him a choice. But Saul crossed a line. And, and so much so that when, when he told Samuel, he said, Samuel, take me back. And he says, come, just worship together with me. And Samuel departed, and as he departed, he grabbed Samuel's garment, and he ripped his garment. And Samuel said, as this garment has been ripped, so has the kingdom been wrenched from you also. And though it didn't appear that anything had changed because Saul remained in power, but yet an evil spirit troubled him. And that spirit increasingly came upon him. And from that day, the kingdom, that it, although it was in power, it began to diminish. And the kingdom of David began to increase. And now if you think in those terms, the world, we have heard a message and we've, we're 50 years plus. But I will say that right now, there is a kingdom that is being ushered in. 
And I don't want you to think about it as way out there because the kingdom of God is within you. And, and we have either embraced that kingdom, like David's men, they saw him as a king coming into power. And they said, there's something about him, and they began to attach themselves to him. Now, I, I'm trying to get to the scripture. I'll bring one more to you really quickly. America went on, but in 1963, something opened up. And I will say, we are under the effects of that. And it opened up so much so that a man who was a prophet who lived in the supernatural in a way that no one else in this generation has. And it was something that was greater than, the, than he himself realized. And he said, oh, if you could catch it, friends. And I would like to just say, we're under that today. Now, this part I will, the Lord willing, bring next Sunday. I really wanted to speak on the expansion of redemption and the kingdom. So I'll, I'll save that, but I, I just want to drop that in, and I just want to say we're under the effects of it, though we've had generation, a generation, and I don't know, we're, we're, I feel like we're in the third, fourth generation, but God has never, never changed his mind. So no matter what you see on the outside, God has a vision, and there's a vision for this generation, and that's what I want to get to, but I, I, I felt I would have too much if I tried to bring that this morning, so I'm going to leave that. So let's just read this. Revelations 11, the second woe, the third woe, and the, verse 15, and the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. Now, if you actually follow this through in Revelations 1, it talked about how under there was four anointings. There was a, a lion, an ox. There was a, a, a man anointing. And then it talks about the anointing of the flying eagle. Now, it's a bird that's in action. And, and I'll tell you, there's no people that the book of Revelations has opened up to like in this last day. And I will say we've majored, I think, too much sometimes on the knowledge part of it. When it needs to come down to our heart. And we need to recognize where we stand in time. Because we are living on the threshold of great things. And there's lines that are being crossed every day. And people are channeling themselves into their eternal destination. And so are we. And that's, that's, again, it's, it's going into some of my thought. But listen, verse 18. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou shouldst give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldst destroy them which destroy the earth. Now again, I'm going to pick that up, but I want to go over to Revelations 12, verse 7. And this is what probably 
prompted me to go with the direction. But. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and they prevailed not. Neither was their place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceived the whole world. And he was cast into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Now the accuser is still accusing. But I'll say something has changed. Because the blood, the fullness of the blood in its power is perfecting another Eve. And this Eve will not fall. In the sight of God, she is perfect. Now you can look through natural eyes, but if we look through the eyes of God, we are brought to a place that the saints of old desired to come to. And he's still accusing, but I'll say this, his accusations do not hold anything before God. Because the blood in its fullness is applied to a people that are on the earth right now. And we need to see ourselves there. And that's what the enemy is challenging. And that's what he challenges you on and me on. And he says, verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, number one. Number two, by the word of their testimony. And number three, they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he hath but a short time. So we're at New Year's. New Year's is always a time to reflect. It's a time to um, look back. And, and it's also a time that we, we can kind of look ahead. And I would just call it this way, reset. And I think it's important that we can do that. As Paul would say in Philippians, forgetting the things that are in the past. Did, did you do everything perfect this last year, Brother Ed? No, I didn't. Was it everything that you wanted? No, it wasn't. But I'll say by the grace of God, I have come further by the grace of God. And he has also renewed and replenished, and he is still doing a work. I know for me, New Year's is, I actually was telling my wife, and I appreciated that we had the function on Friday, and that we had the time yesterday, because just in the latter hours of 11 to 12, I just slipped away a little, and just took time with the Lord. And to me, I, I feel... There's something we all need to do personally with God. And maybe to me personally, New Year's is a precious time because it was 39 years ago at this time 
that God started a work in my life. He actually started it before, but at New Year's, it was like a line was drawn in the sand. And the friends that I still felt, I thought I was attached to even at Christmas, I just realized just going with them for a few hours, no, I'm not that anymore. And at New Year's, I took a stand, went to a little church service, watched a film, and came home and prayed. And to me, that's still memorable. And it was God who was starting steps. He put things in my heart. The Bible said, seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. And I'm grateful. I will always treasure. And I just want to let the Lord know that is still the greatest event in my life. So New Year's is also a time where people make resolutions. And uh, resolutions which will last maybe a day, a couple of days, a week, a month. But resolutions, a lot of it is based on humanity and what we're strengthening ourselves to. In, in the message, Brother Branham would say, changing the pages or changing calendars doesn't change time. A lot of people say, well, the old year's gone. Throw away the old December calendar and put up the new one, which, by the way, we have some calendars for you. So just a quick plug, uh, advertisement here. And it says, now that's what New Year's means to them. But he says, to me, I, I, I want to see what's promised for the day. I want to know the light of the hour is so I know how to walk in it. I want to know where I'm living, what age I am, what age I'm in, how far up the road I am. And he says, that's what we really need to know. So I, I don't want to just make this a time of resolution, but if I can say, you can also renew your commitment to God. And I think I, I want to encourage us to renew our commitment. Sometimes we carry the baggage of the last year. I say it's a time that we can just refresh ourselves and, and renew ourselves that way. Now, I'm going to also ask you if you can... Now just to turn to Ephesians chapter 6, as I go into this little part of it, Ephesians 6, let's just pick it up from verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So right now, there is a great concentrated effort in the kingdom of darkness. And I'll say it's coming against us more and more. But I will say there are more that are with us than are against us. There is more power that is for us. Now the key is for us to tap into that. Let's read this, verse 13. Wherefore... Take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So that you may be able to withstand 
and having done all, to stand. In 1962, at the end of the year, Brother Branham was much troubled. He had just seen visions. He had come through things, and, and he was going into 1963. He spoke the message, what time is it, sirs? And then he comes in the evening of the last day of 1962, and he preaches a message called The Contest. And he uses this scripture of Hebrews or Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, what we wrestle against. And he says, there's a great contest that's going on between the church and Satan. And he says this, that great strength of Satan, and we want to speak of the great strength of God in his church. Now this contest has been going on many years. It started in heaven. Satan was kicked out. He was an enemy to God's people. And since then, he has used all his strength and his strategy to try to pull God's people across the fires or into his fires. And we know who has the most power. God does. And God, when he gave his people the best thing he could to combat Satan with, it was his word. Now, if you think of all the power that was at the hands of Jesus when he was on earth, he could have called angels. He could have called all kinds of things. He could have, as Moses was a type, he could have called fleas. He could have done all of those things. But here he's fighting the enemy. And what does he use? He uses the word of God to defeat the enemy. Because the enemy is powerless unless he can gain an entrance. And the greatest battle that has ever been fought is a battle of the mind. And it's where Satan still attacks us today. Now we're not immune to it just because we're believers. Just because we come to this church. Brother Branham was not immune to it. He would say, I come to church, and he says, and, and the devil's there telling me, nobody cares for you, they don't love you. Now you think about a prophet who is bringing the word, but there's an enemy that's combating him, and as he's combating him, he's trying to lay doubt. He's saying, it's not really doing what you think it is. And all God said it was, and Brother Branham, he says, and he would get the blues and he'd get moody. That was his challenge. And he would get that way, and he says, as he'd come to church, then he saw a license plate from Georgia. And then he saw a license plate from some other part, from New York. And then he says, he began to think of that, and he, he said to Satan, he says, well, what about that then? And what about this then? That's the same enemy that we got to fight, because he'll point to you and I. He'll point to our shortcomings. He'll show you your brother's shortcomings. And we all have them. None of us is immune to them. And right about this time, some wives looked at their husbands and some husbands looked at their wives and said, yeah, we know. And listen, we put on our best foot at church. But at home, we all know how we are. Okay, so listen, one, I think Brother Donnie one time, he said, he says, I, I, I usually watch when somebody's ministering and when he ministers certain ways, I watch his wife. <laughs> because if she nods, she knows. You know, if you're, if you're ministering up there and you're living down here, God knows those things. 
So we want to be where we're at. We want to project up, but we're also saying, listen, we've had some battles in the last year. And if we actually look back at them, our greatest battles were mind battles. It was what somebody said to you. It's something you heard. It's a billboard you were driving down the road. It was something you saw on the internet. That's what the devil was trying to plant. That's what he'll do this year in a greater way. And you need to learn to cast it off. You need to learn to say, that's not a part of me. I'm a prepared vessel. This vessel belongs to God. It is not a house for Satan. It is not a cesspool that can drink the good things of God on Sunday and go and feed on the internet on a Monday. It is a clean vessel. And we need to reserve it for God. Brother Branham would say, you're going to meet him. People don't believe in demons. But I say you need to know your enemy. And you need to train for the contest that you're going to have when you meet him. Because you're going to meet him. I'm saying this right now. It might be a nice service. The sun is shining. We had singing. We had things. But you're going to meet him. I'm going to meet him. And so we don't just want to rely on the emotion, although that's good. It opens our heart for the word to come in. And if Jesus used the word to defeat the enemy, we need to take the same principle. And so we need to start to stand on our principles that God has endowed us with. And he would say, train for this contest when you, need him, when you meet him, for one thing is for sure, you're going to meet him. Now, Jesus, when he met him, and I, I'm just going to pull this out of the church age book for a moment, but Brother Branham would talk about it, and he would just say, what happened, the three temptations that are common, and they are there in the book of Genesis, they are there in Matthew, in Matthew 4, what we read, and they are there in Revelations. Now, Satan hates the book of Genesis and the book of Revelations because it exposes him. So these are the three temptations in harvest time. He says, the three temptations of ministers, and I'll use myself. The three temptations of the church, where they make their fall. The three temptations of an organization, the three temptations of individuals. Now, I think that just about covers all of us. We're going to be tempted. And he says, it all runs in threes. Now, in the beginning, the first thing that he gave his children to live by was his word. That was his truth. Okay? Now, then in the middle, we hear God say, man where Jesus came and said, man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And in Revelations 22, Jesus said, if any man adds one word to this or takes one word, his part will be taken from the book of life. Now, I'll say this. There's an anointing on this age. We have come through, you know, we, we know by the, the message of the hour, there was a lion anointing to that first age 
There was an ox anointing over those dark ages. Then there was a man anointing that went over the Reformation. And the Reformation included Luther, included Wesley, and included Pentecost. So these are all reformers. So the last age we came out of, which was Pentecost, that was an age of reformation. And Brother Adam would actually say it that way. So we need to recognize Pentecost. Now all of these ages, we don't throw out what Luther had, because the just still live by faith. We don't throw out sanctification, neither do we throw out Pentecost, but we don't major on these the same way as the previous age did. And Brother Brown said, now that the seals are open, the Spirit directs us to the truth. What is it? The truth for the age. So it, it encompasses Satan is gathering all the evil of the past and he's bringing it all forward. But God is gathering all the truth of the past and he's bringing it forward. And Jesus, he gathered all that was in the prophets, in the law, and he comes. I watched. They have this series it's called The Chosen. It's the portrayal of Jesus and his life. And I won't say everything's completely accurate, but it gets us thinking. And in the last episode, and I, I just, and I'm talking about a line, it was like when Jesus first brought forth the water or the wine from the water at, at the marriage of Cana. They, they portrayed it like a mason. He was beginning to cut something that he could never go back from. And, and now is the time. He's going to begin to make himself known. But then it goes a little further. And in the last episode, now Jesus comes to the temple. And he comes to the temple. And they open the scroll for him. And he reads from Isaiah. And he reads how that I, he has come to heal the brokenhearted. How he has come to minister to them. And he reads and how precisely he stops in the middle of the verse. And he does not go on to the days of the vengeance of our God. Because that's a part that's being picked up now. We're, we're moving into that. Now... He reads that, and it was almost like amongst him, there was his family, there was his friends, there was those that loved him, they loved the miracles, but now he crosses a line, and he says, how blasphemous you are, and how you did this, and you contradict the law of Moses, and he stands up and says, I am the law of Moses. Friends, we are living in a manifesting time. 
We are the bride of Jesus Christ. We are who God said we were. Not because we say it, but God said it. And if, if, if the Spirit of God is in you, it leads you when you face that devil. And you don't have to just say, oh God, be merciful. No, you can begin to talk. You can begin to speak to him. You can say, Satan, you have no power over me. I am covered with the blood of Jesus. We are not a church. We are not a denomination. We are not, an, we are not organized by man. All the religions of the world, they have their Buddhas, they have their Mohammeds, they have all of these things. But there's one group of people that has a heavenly father. There's one group of people that is, has a bridegroom. And they are selected by God himself. And you do not need to be ashamed of that. And I'll go a step further. It is not what we organize. And we say, well, you know, the old people are back here. The young people are here. We've got to preach this way for the old. No, we're one family. And I'll say this. Whatever try, the, devil, the devil tries to polarize and say, well, this is how it was. And, you know, the young people, no, we're one. Revelation is as sovereign to a 90-year-old as it is to a 16-year-old. And you are brought into the same kingdom. We are the generation that will possess the kingdom. We are the generation that is the kingdom. And we need to remember that. And I, I'm, I gotta watch, I'm crossing into where I wanna go next week, but I'm just saying, we're gonna face the enemy. So Jesus, he opens the scroll. And they asked Brother Branham, in the message in 1956, it used to be called the inner veil. But it'd be, uh, I'm trying to think of the new title. Somebody here, help me, in 1956. Why are some people so tossed about? That's the one. Why are people so tossed about? And Brother Branham talks about the three, the outer court, the inner court, and then the holiest of holies. And, he, and in that he says, what was the greatest anointing that ever struck the earth? It was on Jesus Christ. And he says, do you want to see that anointing? He picks up the book. He reads the part that is attached to him in time. And then he sits down. The greatest anointing. And gracious words came out of his mouth. Friends, the anointing can cause you to do a lot of things. Like I said, we don't discount anything. And I say we actually need to say anything. No, this doesn't. Listen, I, I, I can preach this, and you all sit down on me. Don't sit down on me. <laughs> Just because Jesus sat down. No, it, it can cause you to jump up. And if you feel like jumping, you jump up. I won't offend me at all. You be yourself. That's the main thing I'll say. And whatever God leads you to do, don't try and do it just in yourself, but allow God to move you. Amen. Listen, there, there's a sister just shared. She was praying, and she said, never even thought about it, but she entered in prayers, and she found herself speaking in tongues. Hallelujah. Why? Because you're yielded. And you need to yield yourself 
Friends, we need to expand beyond just the narrow realm that Pentecost operated under or the Baptist operated under, but this is all of it together. I trust you're not misreading what I'm saying today. We want the fullness of God, but it also brings it always back to the Bible. Uh, let, let me just finish this in saying, Brother Branham would say in Look Away to Jesus, 1963, Look Away to Jesus just on the, on the tail end of the year, and it was December 29th, and he'd say, he says, the Pentecostal churches can, can emulate any gift that we can. And in fact, they have greater manifestations of it sometimes than we do. But he said, this third pull, you watch it. There'll be no imitation of it. There'll be no mockery of it. It will be sovereign. And that's what I want to move into. I want to be fully yielded to whatever God has. Okay, this wasn't all in my notes, but I'm just bringing, bringing it as it came to me today. Now, Brother Branham would also speak now, talking about these three different realms, the three different places, and, and he says how the three temptations in Genesis are the same three temptations that came to Jesus, are the same three temptations that come to us in this last day, and I had it, and I don't have it now, but he just says, so what were they? The pride, the, uh, the lust of the flesh, the, pride of the, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, the three temptations. Now, I'll come into it a little further. I won't get into it fully today. But this is the enemy's attack. He'll come to us in many, many different ways. Let me, let me, let me read this for you. Because Brother Branham brings it in such a good way here. And I, I want to just take it. Because Brother Branham would say, just think about, think about this is the messenger to the age. And sometimes we put him on a level that he's immune to these things. He lived in a heavenly, therefore he wasn't tempted. As Jesus was, so are we in this world. We've got we've to take up the sword. We've got to take up the weapon. So, so as, as Brother Branham would talk about it, and he, he's talking about the tactics of the enemy. And, and he's saying how, how the enemy would come and he would bring different things against him. And, and I, I'll try and find the place here because I'm jumping through my notes in different places. But he says this, in the church and its condition, did you know that sin started when a person turned aside for a minute? Eve just turned aside for a minute. Now I'll say it this way, we, we have devices, we have things, and the world is so structured with algorithms, pop-ups, things that come in front of us and, and something you'll be on just doing something innocent and all of a sudden something pops up and you're drawn to it and you're tempted by it. And listen, the devil knows an algorithm that pops up with sewing machines is not going to tempt me. It's not going to do it to me. Now a John Deere tractor, that might do it to me. But he knows also our humanity. He knows our flesh. As a man, what will he do? He'll pop up an adver advertisement of a John Deere with a half-dressed woman on it. 
Have you ever thought, what has that woman got to do with John Deere tractors? Really? But it's all Satan's Eden. And there's a tactic that the enemy is using to ingrain himself. So you just turn aside for a moment. So here's how the prophet puts it. He says, Eve turned aside for a moment to hear what Satan had to say, and he painted a picture so pretty to her, she actually thought it was the truth. Now, we, we, we look down at Eve, Eve and just, you know, man, she just didn't have it. We are the same. And I'll say the difference is that the seed of the woman has come. And he has deposited something inside of us. And the more you feed that, the more you'll have overcoming strength to, to banish the enemy when he comes. That seed that's deposited in you. I don't know if you knew it as a child. I think of, I think of Jonah's fish. This fish was prepared before Jonah ever was on the scene. Maybe it grew 30 years before that. But it was a special fish. And it had a larger esophagus. And it didn't know why it was like that. But the Bible said it was a prepared fish. And it never knew that one day it was going to house a prophet. That a prophet that was runaway, backslidden, God was going to use this fish to be a vessel that God was going to use at a certain time in a certain season. If you could catch it, that your flesh, your body was prepared for God to house the word in this season, in this time. Listen, that fish never knew it. But one day, it swallowed a prophet. And it was governed by sources. It, it didn't know why it went down to the deep. It didn't know why it was compelled to come up on the shore and get gassed this out. But it was all ordered of God. Read the book of Jonah sometime. And it all talks. It wasn't Jonah in control or out of control. It was God in control. The fish was prepared. The gourd was prepared. The people were prepared. So are we prepared. We are born for this hour. We are prepared to be a dwelling place for God. And Satan knows that. So he'll throw everything in front of you. He'll throw the internet in front of you. He'll keep you so busy. He'll keep you so occupied that the word can't have its effect. Brother Branham would talk about the tactics of the enemy. He'll say, possessing the enemy's gates, how the intellectual mind will be so twisted up, like in the days of Daniel, the Hebrew children, a great intellectual world that in that day was just as hard to overcome as it is now. It's always been the enemy to their way of seeing and modern science and things was just as complicated to the mind then 
as ours is today. See, it's the same thing. Now, I was, I was sharing with a brother, how was your Christmas? And I said, oh man, I, I had this to do and then I had this to do and we had to go over here and we had to go, and I enjoyed all of it. But slowly those things squeeze out what I was really desiring, just to take a little time with God. And I found myself by necessity having to pull away Say, oh God, I just want to walk with you. I don't want to be forced to listen to a message, but I want to fellowship with you. I don't want to be forced to come to church because I know I have to come. And I'll say this, you will not overcome by rules and regulations. But you will come because something has happened inside of you. And it says, Abba, Father, I come. You don't, as Brother Bannon would say, don't keep your hair long just because I said so. Don't do it because the Bible says to do it. Do it because the Spirit of God makes it real to you. Now, you will not overcome if I come up to you here and preach and say, you know what, you need to stay off social media. You need to not spend as much time on YouTube, you need to not look at, listen to different things. You need to spend a little time. That won't do it. That's rules. That's regulations. But what you need to get inside of you is the heavenly Father, the Creator, who made heavens and earth. And when He's inside of you, friends, you don't want to mar that. You want to treasure that. You want to keep that. You don't want to break that fellowship. You will want to come aside. The Bible says as Jesus walked with his disciples, he was healing people. He was doing all kinds of things. And in the midst of all of that, the Bible says he went apart, apart in a mountain place to pray. And the prophet gives the explanation. He says he had to stay in fellowship with the spirit that was in him. This is our Lord Jesus. This is how he overcame. And I will say, as you come into this year, don't allow yourself to be driven. Don't allow yourself to be tossed by the waves. Listen, the waters are rising. They're rising all the time around us. And I'll say this, if you're in the boat with Jesus, you'll just go higher with him. Because... The boat, if I can just say it, it's not a question of how high the waters are around you. It's how much water have you allowed in your boat. Just let that sink in for a minute. How much of the world has gotten into your vessel? How much of your time is consumed? I don't want to make this negative, but I also want to be real. How much of my time, I'm speaking to Brother Ed, is what it should be before God. Now that doesn't mean you're just spiritual and heavenly Father, thou art this and thou art this. And then when you meet somebody on the street, knowest thou not that thou shouldn't do such things? Friends, that's hypocritical. But I'll tell you what, it's a power. And it's not just manifest in church, but it moves with you.
It moves with you when you're on the street. It moves with you when you're on the job. It moves with you in your home. It's the power of God living in the bride, manifesting Jesus Christ to this generation. But the intellectual... Brother Branham talks about this. You know, Satan will lie to you. He will have you believing anything. And I thought, this is all. It's over. Now, I I bring you that quote because this is all in the context of him in his courtship with Sister hope and he's taking her to church and he's thinking I need to propose to her but he says how the devil will lie to you (laughs) saying if you don't do it tonight it's over (laughs) well I'm just thinking about the humanity of a prophet brother Brandon went to South Africa and he goes to South Africa and he could not get a visa to preach he could only go as a hunter in 1965 And I think, Lord, this is the prophet to the age. But what he had to battle through, he thought those organizations there didn't want them. He came to find out it was just one man. And he placed it on them all. And in his humanity, he couldn't do that. Now, God is in control. But I want you to think about yourself. I I had a brother I was texting and I just sent him a little text. He didn't respond. And I sent him another one. And he said, I'll get back to you. And he never did. And I texted him just once more to prompt. He still didn't go. And, I was, and, I, and my mind's racing. I think, he thinks that I'm backslidden. He thinks I, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not his friend anymore. And I'm going like, this is crazy. Like, and, I, and I'm going, well, you know, Lord, you know. Like, if that's what he has against me, I can't help it, Lord. And I went through two or three days of torture. Because this is a good friend of mine. Well, what I didn't know is he'd gone overseas on a quick little mission trip that he didn't tell me about, and he couldn't get to his phone. And when he gets back, and he says, oh, Brother Ed, I meant to call you and talk to you, but I, I just got back, and I said, oh, that's okay. I knew that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't know that all the time. <laughs> but look at how the devil gets you. He'll get you to think, that person, look, we're human beings, friends. He'll get you to think, that person said this. Oh, and all of a sudden our guards are up, or this and this. And You know, there, there was a, a singing group. They just they gave a little testimony on the sister. She just uh, came and says, as customary after their concert, they had these people come by, and this older woman comes by. And the older woman comes by, and she says, I'm 83 years old, and I enjoy your music. Oh, that's from 83? Wow, you look Amazing. And she said she was radiant, a picture of health. How do you do it? And, and the woman just said, well, by the grace of God, I have this, but there are three things. Number one, I never get angry. And if I do, I have God's given me grace to be able to lay it down. Oh, what a testimony. And we, we get an email that's slightly contrary, and we think, oh, wait, I, all of a sudden, caps lock. I'm going to write them back right now. 
<laughs> hey, I'm human. We're human. Do you want to overcome? What does it take to overcome? So never get angry. And when I do, I lay it down. You know the best thing to do when you're, when you're writing an email like that? Walk away from it. You know the best thing when you come in to a, a showroom and you see a new car and you're convinced to buy it? Walk away from it. Because they try to bring you into an atmosphere. Oh, I, I'm not buying a new car. I'm just buying a new dress or a new this. Or, well, whatever you do, sometimes just walk away from it and say, Lord, do I really need this? Anyway, second thing, I never carry a grudge. A grudge? What does a grudge do? And she likened it to this, well, I'm climbing a mountain, and I got a backpack, and if I carry a grudge, it's like a stone in my back. And if I pick up another one, pretty soon I'm carrying this heavy load because you're carrying all of these things. The Bible says, let not the sun go down on your wrath. Drop it. Say, Lord, ah, maybe I was misunderstood. Maybe they didn't mean that. But Lord, you know these things. But do not build up a complex. Do not pick up bitterness. It will cause you to come and get sick. You'll get a cancer. You'll get something. The devil will torment you. But if you forgive as God forgives, you can be free. One, never get angry. Two, never carry a grudge. Three, when there are things I don't understand, when there's things I don't understand, I just commit it to God. And I tell him, Lord, I don't understand this, but you are God. I know you're going to work this out. Help me to, 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 and you know what? The more you talk with him, I'll tell you what, every time you talk with him, something drops off because he's picking it up for you. But do you really want to carry yourself? No, I'll figure this out. If the church doesn't do this, if this doesn't happen, if this doesn't happen, and I'll tell you what, all along we're building up, we're figuring it all out. If the message doesn't do this, I'll tell you what, give it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. How can we overcome? In trying to figure out, here it is. Rulers of darkness. Who rules the world? The devil. All these things going on, these ungodly things around here and the governments and so forth, it's all of the devil. I am so upset at our prime minister. I'm so upset at what the government is doing. I'm so. Well, well, of course, it's not God in control. The devil's in control. But I'll tell you what, these kingdoms are falling. Listen, the devil controls in the United States. The devil controls in Germany. He never said anything here about India or Canada or the Philippines, so I think we're okay. No, it's all the kingdoms. The devil controls every nation in the world. I'm coming to you in a, in a few minutes. Every kingdom that ever was, ever will be, until God sets up his kingdom, is controlled by the enemy. Friends, the things that are coming, there, there's a generation that is right now being wired. Wired to accept the mark of the beast. Wired to be neurotic. Wired to be what they need to be to be in the devil's hands. Oh 
Now let me just bring this. I, I really am not even on my notes, but that's okay. I, I really had given this service to God. And I said, Lord, you do it the way you want. Now, there are things that we grow up with that cause us to be a certain way. Now, I've got my, my mother here, and she grew up in post-war Germany. They didn't have hardly anything called butter or margarine or bread. And the only way they got bread is because they had an, uh, a relative in Canada who sent them coffee in a suitcase, and one coffee bought them 10, one bag of coffee bought them 10 loaves of bread in post-war Germany. That was how they survived. That was the grace of God. But my mother grew up with that. And so she grew up with that. She comes to Canada, and I grew up with her passing some of this down to me. So we were taught when you have a little bit of butter, you don't just lay it on. You spread it thin because it's got to last. Okay? Mom, they got lots in the store. <laughs> We've got the money to pick up more. No, but you got to just be careful. You never know. Well, you know, you, people that have been through wars and through things like that, it's inbred. It's, it's, it's inbred. That's, that's what you grow up with. That's, that's all you know. Friends, I, there, there's different cultures that have inbreeding of values. I, I've met people that, that come from cultures overseas where when you buy something, you go down to the market and you buy and you haggle over it. And you negotiate over it. And you negotiate over it. So, you know, I, I come and they say, well, what's the fee for your services? I tell them this much. Okay, how about I give you this much? And I'm going like, well, wait a minute. This is the price. This is what we pay. This is our rent. This is what I got to pay the staff. This is how much we're going to make. Nah, you know, I, I got to. And they cannot let go. They cannot let go because it's inbred in them. The Scottish are famous for this. There's one. <laughs> it's, it's just, I, I'm not going to buy this until it's a good deal. Hey, I, I, I'm tempted to say something, but I've got to be careful because it involves part members of our family. But I know if I'm going to buy something, there's a certain member of the family I'll use to buy it. Because I can't use a gender he even. I won't say no more. They'll get a good deal, that's all I can say. And they'll do things that I would not do. Shame somebody into giving them a deal. But it's inbred. Now, now the, listen, these are good things. But you carry them too far, and now i got to give tithing. Oh, man. And, and I cannot give liberally. Okay? Now, if you're part of the kingdom or the culture you grew out of, you cannot really effectively be a Christian sometimes. Now, there's some good things. Like saving is a good thing. The Dutch are really good at that, actually. And, and, and they, they like to look for a deal. Now, listen, if you're, if, if you're being hit here with this, uh, that's just the outward part. There's the inside part. There's a Christian, okay? Inside that says, yeah, 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 I, I'm, I'm bigger than that. Okay? But, but these are things that we're inbred with. Now, as time passes, there's other things that have been inbred into the human race. There's a, there's a brother we know here in, in our midst, and, and he, uh, I won't mention names, but he moved to Newfoundland this year. And uh, anyway, 
He had a cell phone, but he never had what's called a smartphone where he texted on it. Because he grew up in a generation, ah, I, I just don't want to go there. And, uh, you know, and, and there's people that, that come or that to get on a computer, to get on a device, ah, it's just like scary. It's like when I, I went with someone the other day and they were driving a car and it was hands-free driving. And, and you know what? The first time, uh, it's, it's all fine, hands-free when you're going down the road straight. But when you turn the corner and you've got to rely on hands-free, I say, okay, listen, I trust the car, but not that much. Okay? You know what? And, and there's people that have grown up in the generation that we live in, they have grown up with not phone books, but a device where they check everything. They've grown up not with fold-out maps that cover the whole front of the car seat. But they've grown up with GPS. And GPS just tells them where to go. But sometimes GPS picks up, and, you know, and sometimes you just click on the wrong address. Give me number four, Huntington. And you're starting to drive, and it's telling you 23 more hours. And they go, oh, it's Alabama. Oh, I, I clicked one down too far. And, and you know what? We just blindly go on, yeah? That's what everybody else is doing. You know, we'll just go that way. You know, the whole world is being trained right now. They're being wired. You know, the Google search engine, they're talking about this new, what's it called, butt chap or whatever it is. It, it's a device that now instead of taking you to sites, it formulates an answer for you by robots, by, by, by technology, and it's scary. Because professors and teachers, they're going, students are just going to click on this and give their answers and sign in a report. And it's all manufactured by AI. Now, I'm, I'm bringing something to you. I'm, I'm, I'm relaxing you for a moment. But I want to bring something to you. Because we need to look at this this way. We have a generation that's growing up. And we're a part of it. Anybody know what this is? Anybody ever left the house without it in the morning? And then scrambled to get back to get it? No, never happened to you. Okay, I'm the only one. Sorry, sorry. We have become addicted. And you know what? If we'll really be honest, it's robbed us. And it is robbing us. And it's robbing us to have our mind free and clear before God where he can speak to us. And the devil has, now you get up in the morning and you think, I used to drop on my knees and read a Bible verse, but now we just quickly check the time. Oh, there's three new notifications. Let me just check those. And all of a sudden you you check your WhatsApp, you check your emails, you check the news, all of a sudden half an hour has gone by. And you know what? You've lost something. And friends, you know what? If I'm going to be honest, we are losing something if we are not careful. And am I telling you to ditch it? No, I'm not telling you to ditch it. I'm just telling you, let that thing that's born in you start to take the preeminence. Say, no, this device is not going to control me. This device will not go into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Listen, we're not going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb checking our texts. We're not. Friends, a lot of the things we're comfortable with, we're not going to take over there. 
So why are we so possessive and hang on to it? But if we're not, it's creating, I'm, I'm going to go, Brother John, I'm going to use this article. Where are you, Brother John? There. So this is, this is the article. And it, and it says, it's called Broken Classrooms. Why teachers and parents don't stand a chance. Now, this is the generation right now. Oh, I'm in the message. Hold on a second. Laodicea is creeping in at every crack. The article is in the National Post, and it says, in the wake of the massive pandemic school disruptions, classrooms have been turned upside down. Millions of today's teenagers are more codependent than ever upon smartphones, totally consumed by TikTok, tuning out their parents and driving many classroom teachers crazy. Now let's be honest. We've gone to a restaurant, and we go to a restaurant, and we look around the room. A, a quick survey of the room, I guarantee you, 40% of the people have got a little device in front of them. And sometimes it's the two people sitting opposite. I think, are they communicating through that device to each other? Or, or are they somewhere else? In other words, they're together, but they're in different worlds. Okay, now just think about this. It says, and I'm, 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 I'm saying, friends, let's be honest. I'm going to read a part of this, and I'm going to go to a scripture in a minute. This education tester, that professor, in, 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 in the United States, in a news segment said, TikTok is a gateway to experiential learning and incessant consumption of social media is harmless. With guidance, it can even provide openings to discuss serious societal issues. And this author writes, baloney. Actually, he writes, pasha, but that's baloney. Active and inquisitive parents attending the latest round of parent-teacher meetings get a far different role of what's happening in our classrooms. Successive years of educational disruptions, shutdowns, have altered the terms of engagement. Most teachers and a good many parents are trying to reach a generation of kids hooked on cell phones and exhibiting all the signs of new clinical addiction called TikTok brain. So it starts like this. The devil wants you to turn aside for a moment. Oh, this is a harmless little video. It's only 30 seconds long. And then, it, oh, look, it, it linked me to this one. And then, oh, that's only 28 seconds long. And, and somehow, you use up an hour and a half of 30-second intervals. Your mind is not settled. It's been imprinted by brains. Your brain cells, one after the other after the other. Now, i got to go kneel down and pray. Forget it. You're not going to do it. Can I just say something? Let's, and, I, and I say, if I have to start as the example, I will. The prophet came and told us, come to church early, listen under the sound of the music, the piano player playing, allow God to start to minister to you. Why? You're going to receive the word, and you won't receive it if your mind is racing and you just turned off your phone as the song service starts. We will not overcome this way, friends. Let's be honest. 
It's affected us. I'm just giving you one example. Now, you have to know how your home works. You have to know how your children work. You have to know yourself and know that in my flesh, I will not overcome. Let's go to Revelations. I'm going to read more of this article. I'm going to, I need to bring this. I'm not even hardly touching on what I needed to, but this is on my heart. Are you okay with this? Yeah. Revelations 9. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven to the earth. Revelations 10 also has something descending, but it's not falling. In Revelations 12, we read about Satan was cast down. So it's saying here, I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit. So do you have an idea of who this angel is? You actually go to the end of the verse, the end of the chapter, and it talks about Apollon is his name. And if I go into the meaning of that, it'll take another 15 minutes. I'm not going to. So I need you to remember what we read in Revelations 12. The devil has come down. He's been cast down. He has the key to the bottomless pit. He's opened it. Daniel saw it, and he said, in the last days, in the last days, he says, people would run to and fro. Knowledge would be increased. It would say that the people would be wiser, but they would be weaker. The generation before us, I think a brother sent me this. I may get it wrong, but it was a little video clip. Our forefathers, they maybe had a cart or a horse or a buggy, and they were hardy people. The next generation may have got a, a car or something, and that car may have been just the bare bones scrap. The next generation came, and they had sports cars and Ferraris, and, and I think it goes from, it goes from Fords to uh, Mustangs, which is the same thing, Right? <laughs> and, and it goes, and then it comes to this, and it says, each generation increased, but they had less power to live a life. They had more goods. My friends, the Laodicean spirit has crept over the earth. We have a society that is built on consumerism, having more stuff. Listen, I... I go out on Boxing Day and watch the people. And I did, just for a little while. I actually went to get one thing. I, I go Target shopping. I know what I want to get, and I come back out. I went and got one thing, a couple things. And then I, but I'm watching the people, and they're driven. They're just like driven. I got to get to this. It's like 50% off. I got to get to it. And I don't even need this, but it's 50% off. And they're driven. What is Laodicea? I got to have this. I need to have this pair of shoes because I only have 38 other ones at home. I'm, I'm making fun. There's this, I can go on to men too. 
but it's driven, rich, increased with goods. If we're, not, if we're honest, we've been affected. You know, you, you can't hardly open, uh, you know, you open your mail without, you know, Boxing Day used to start on December 26th. The advertisements start a month earlier now, and flyers come, and this happens, and it's not Boxing Day, it's Boxing Week. Consumerism. Entertainment. The greatest, the greatest industry in the world today. Entertainment. Start with sports teams. Start with social media. Take, take Elon Musk buying Twitter for $44 billion. And what is Twitter? People just communicating with each other. And it's a market. And we lost the small, still voice. Let me, let me read here yet. He opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the reason of the smoke of the pit. Now just, I want you to think about this. A couple of days ago, we got bright sunshine today. A couple of days ago, we had fog. I, I was coming home, and it was fog was thick, and it lasted a whole day and into the next day. And it's beautiful. Look, look how nice it looks outside. All the trees covered in that hoarfrost. It's beautiful. Now, only a Canadian could say that. But it is beautiful. But the fog, so what does the fog do? It makes it hard to discern, hard to see. You can't quite tell what's going on. What happens when smoke arises? Same thing. You can't see the sun. The sun has obscured different things. Brother Branham speaking in 1962, just a few months prior to the contest, praying in the message, a guide. He's saying, oh Lord, forgive us, help us. Lord, we can't do anything unless we have you. And now he says this, we see the hour is closing in. Fog is coming over the earth. I remember when I came in, it was hard battles. I knew God was compelling me, but the spirit was pulling and I had to give myself to it. And I had to lay myself before the Bible and in prayer and that New Year's and the battles that were waged and I'd go out to the mountains and I'd fast and I'd pray. And I don't know when, but it wasn't right away. But something was so strong, I had to leave the world behind. And it affected me. And it caused me to seek out the Lord. I knew I had to come to this. And I don't know where, whether it was in a little basement prayer meeting, whether it was at home, whether it was on a mountain, but somewhere something happened inside that I've never been able to get away from. And I, I get worried, friends, when I see us try to minister and it's like a fog and we're in slow motion. We, we, we can preach hard and, and we sit unaffected. We're not moved. I'm not, I'm not here to condemn us. I'm just saying, I don't believe that's our portion. I believe that the Holy Spirit isn't, is, I'm not trying to put dread on you or works on you. I'm just saying, 
This is the reality. And what we need to do is just get honest with God and say, Lord, my heart isn't as fervent as it used to be. And Lord, it doesn't seem like, I, maybe I'll do what Brother Ed said and I'll come 15. I might not come 30 minutes, but I'll come 15. Or I'll come 10. I'll come 10 minutes earlier. This is, this is not resolutions. This is just commitments. I'll come 10 minutes earlier. I'll pray a little bit more. Maybe I'll even slip up to the altar once in a while. And I'll say this, you honor God, and he'll honor you. Maybe at home, we haven't had regular devotions. But you know what? I can't leave my kids on an iPad. I can't leave them on my phone just for them to be happy. Because it's wiring them. TikTok brains are happening. If you can't catch people in a service, sometimes they, they say in, in a resume, if you can't put forth in your resume what they can read in 15 seconds, throw it out. Because that's the culture we're in. And now we bring that to church. And if the preacher doesn't say something that just entices us, entices, entices us, we just, oh, it's just form. That's not what God intended. He wants us to wait on him. Shut things down. Take time with him. Friends, I'm, I'm being honest. This is, this is for me and my house as much as all of us. It's a little bit down home right now. He opened the bottomless pit, smoke, and Brother Bram says, fog is coming over the earth. How many layers does God have to fight through to get to our attention? I don't know what you're going to do with this thing. But you need to come before God and say, I'm not going to have this when I pray. I'm not going to be listening to this first thing. I'm going to say this. You're going to need to have enough of God in you. I'm not telling you to throw it out because unfortunately our lives are intertwined with it. But there's two kingdoms and there's two worlds. And there's one people that are being wired to, to receive everything the educators are telling. You just watch a little innocent movie. And in the innocent movie, there's a, they, right away they portray a heroine or a, her, a hero. And you know what? Along the way to, to get the person or, you know, maybe it's a, it's a romance. And yeah, they have a little act of adultery along the way. But you feel good about it. And you're being wired. We are being wired. How much has this affected what God can do in our midst? Brother Branham makes the message in Shalom. And, and you can listen to it. Listen to it. He speaks two messages. One in January 12th. One in January 19th. They're really good messages to listen to. As I cross the nation. And I see darkness coming over the people. Gross darkness. It seems like they can't come out of this web of Hollywood. Web. Look at the words. And he says, Hollywood has robbed our women. Now I'm going to say this. The world is robbing us sometimes. Because somebody can come by and has a need. And we 
are just thinking of ourselves and we're thinking of what's there and we can't even give a little something to someone else. Oh, I should go see brother so-and-so, but I need to go shopping first. You know what? You're missing the greatest blessing you could have sometimes. Oh, what's, what's on a street witnessing thing anyway? I can't help but think of Travis. I've prayed for him many times, Marshall. And I say, Lord, how many more people out there need you? And are we in a place that we can be Christ to them? Now, this is a little bit sobering right at this moment. But just stay with me. This is, this is where we're at if we're honest. And are we going to go forward? You know, our greatest opportunity to give is right in this earth now. You're not going to be able to give on the other side. What we write in our lives now. A minister friend shared this this morning. And I, I couldn't help but think of it as I'm just at this point. Let me just share it with you real quick. And he says this. Rivers do not drink their own water. Trees do not eat their own fruit. Flowers do not spread their fragrance for themselves, and the sun does not shine on itself. Oh, what a beautiful day. Where did that sun come from? Our Heavenly Father's giving it to us. Living for others is a rule of nature. We're all born to help each other, no matter how difficult it is. Life is good when you are happy, but it's better when others are happy because of you. And we, as Brother Barman said, Hollywood has robbed our sisters. I'll say this, the world can rob us. Now, listen, I'm not saying this condemn us, but we are not of this world. We are in this world, but we're not of this world. And, and the Lord willing, I'll get into this. This is the, really the crux of where I was going into what I wanted to go to, but we, we are a kingdom on earth if we're not careful. We bring, as I said, our, 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 what we've been wired to as a child, what we've been wired to in the flesh, we bring those things to church, and it's like a little circle, and we live inside that circle, but we can't expand beyond it because Christ can't do that. Now, old, like the vessels in those days, you can't pour new wine in old vessels because they'll break, but the vessel needs to be warm and tender, flexible, that it can be moved. And I said, Lord, I want to be flexible this year. I want to go beyond what I have been in the past. I am sick and tired of Ed Hammermeister, the natural man. I want Jesus to live in me in a greater way. That's my joy. That's my satisfaction. Lord, let me be, even where, I, I, listen, I'm in a position where I'm visible, but Lord, where I'm invisible, let me serve you. Let me serve your kingdom, though nobody see it. Lord, let me pray for that brother. Let me stop and intercede. Last night, I was just thinking, I got to get ready for service, and here it was like coming just up to midnight, says, no, I'm just going to go and talk to the Lord. The service aside, I'm just going to, I need to give time to him. And while I'm giving time to him, I'm thinking of family and friends and saying, Lord, you see where they're at. Would you help them, Lord? And, and you know what? 
you start to go down those paths. This is, this is where I want to go to. The expansion of redemption. Because as a bride, we're not called to live like the church world. We're not a kingdom like that. We're not an organization. We are a people. We have a father. He lives in us. He moves in us. He breathes in us. Listen, I, this is really not how I intended this to go. Let me read this as the musicians come. TikTok, teachers are saying, the explosion of TikTok brain has created a neurotical people who live on a dopamine rush of endless short videos. I am ashamed that there's times I've sat at the table and looked at this. I'm ashamed that there's times I could have interacted with somebody, but I'm feeding something else. I'm ashamed. I am using myself. It's affected me more than I want it to. I'm saying, Lord, I need more of you. I want to be, I want that life of Christ to shine through. I want it to live. I, I wish I, I have so much on my plate, but I, I just, the Lord just stopped me this morning. I said, before you go to all of that, you need to go to this. So I'm saying, friends, what the Lord really put on my heart this morning. And I'm just saying, if we want more of God, we're going to have to humble ourselves. We're going to need to let that little tug, and it's sometimes just a little tug, and you need to give yourself. Just when you're, when you're coming, oh, I could just watch this, but it's just a little tug. Why don't you come? Just open your Bible for a minute. You know, I did that a couple of times over the holidays. I just, I didn't feel like it, but I put on a service. And all of a sudden, I'm listening, and I thought, wow, am I ever glad I did this? Because it brought me into a channel. And I thought, oh, it avoided so much trouble. I want to live in that place, don't you? Listen, I've, I've, we, had, we had talked, we talked naturally. But friends, let's, let's be honest with ourselves today. Can we do that? I need, I need more of God. I'm not going to manufacture it myself. If you can, I, I won't have time this morning because we're already over time. But read Matthew chapter 6. Read from verse 19 to the end of the chapter. It says, keep your eye single. Because you can't serve two masters at one time. You can't live in the world and, and be a Christian. Listen, our phones are not coming with us. The, the things we're gathering are not coming with us. But there's something that we're taking with us. It's what God is forming in us. Do you believe that? Let's stand together this morning. I feel the pull. I feel the pull. I feel the pull. I hear the call. And God's speaks.
want to sing, I have a father, I have a maker. Now, you can't work this in yourself. We have a generation around us. And this is not just young people. This is all of us. That is being wired and is seemingly helpless to lift themselves out of it. Just as I was helpless in the circle I was running in when I was in the world. But it took God to lift me out. And you all know there's things that just seem to come on you time and time again. And they beset you. And if you're honest with God, you say, Lord, this has taken me down too many times. But Lord, I want to live a little higher. I want to go above that, Lord. How many would be honest and say, there is something. And you know what? If we live higher, you know who's going to be benefited? If we turn our attention away from what's in, if, if we make this all about, I got to fix me. No, all you got to do is focus on Him. And when you focus on Him, all of a sudden, you're thinking on Him, you're talking on Him, and all of a sudden, naturally, I should go and call up brother so-and-so. Or, this person's on my heart. I feel like I just need to go over and you know what? You can be Christ to someone. And you know what? The devil knows. Listen. The devil knows. That's why he is bombarding us with social media, with entertainments, with consumerism. He knows this is a supernatural message. And I would just say this. Inside of you, there's a vessel. There's a holy thing God wants to work through in there. I, I want you to think now for a moment. There was a man born in Kentucky. He was born to a family that they were poor. They didn't have much. But in this vessel, God was going to anoint this vessel to speak the words for a generation. So we didn't know that. He didn't know that. But in that vessel, he was going to anoint what we call the message. And he would take particular cares, knowing that there's a generation to come. Knowing that there's young people here. Knowing that there's families here. Knowing that there's troubles here. And he anointed that messenger to just say a single word. And it's out there. It's a seed. And we didn't catch it in its season. But now sometimes the devil knows that if you catch that part that's a, meant for you, he's in trouble. So what does he do? He throws everything at you. He throws this at you. You don't have time to listen to tapes. I, I can't sit and listen to a book. You know, he's got us just where he wants us. So neurotic. We can't sit still for 15 minutes. But I'm saying, we don't have to live there. And I'll say this, you can take and pick up that part and all of a sudden you're reading or you're hearing and all of a sudden, there it is. That's me. That's life. That's who I am. The devil's lying. Why is he lying? Listen, the, the worst case was that soldier boy. Brother Branham 
a homosexual, a man who was married and had children committing homosexual acts. And here is the prophet in Dawson Creek. And he's up there. And he's praying. And he just finished praying. And he stops. Soldier boy, the devil's lying to you. But he was, he was wrong, Brother Ed. He was committing. It was a lie of the devil. And I'll say this. He lies to me. He lies to you. He tells you this temporary satisfaction is what I need. It's a lie. It's a lie to keep you from the real thing. I'll tell you what. God took pains to bring this message, to anoint this messenger, to put these things out there. And we have them sitting all around us. And the devil has us so busy, we can't even hardly pick it up. Now, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, instead of trying to put off, what about the pull? Lord, what do you, you've got something for me. There's a part for me. Lord, let me give myself to that. You're my father. You're my maker. You put something in my heart. You've created a spot for you. And too often that spot's been filled with other things this last year. But Lord, I want to make a little room for you now. I want to make a little room for him. Can you make a little room for him? Listen, the truth is, we're the only religion in the world. The only, we're not even a religion. We are truth. We are the children of God. We're greater than just this building. We're greater than the differences in the message. We are a people. We have a maker. We have a father. And I, I want to just focus on him. Let's just sing this as we come to this part. I have 